Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Greetings to everyone in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, in the name of Jesus the Christ. I always greet you in that way because everything that we do, we're coming in his name, his authority. He is God's salvation, God's holiness, God's righteousness, God's Messiah, his son that has come to reveal his salvation to the world. So I love to greet you in that way. Remember in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians that Paul wants everyone to come in agreement and be of one mind in the name of Jesus Christ. So it's in his name and his authority and his power that we come in agreement and have unity. It's not in my name or anybody else's name. It's not in Paul's name. It's not in the name of Apollos, and it's not in the name of Cephas, Peter, but it is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now today we're going to be looking at chapter 6. We finished a very difficult chapter to look at sometimes for the church in the Western culture that has become arrogant, allowing people to live in sin that name the name of Christ, allowing them to be part of the community of faith and not speaking to this sin that is in their lives. Jesus instructs us to judge with a righteous judgment. We are not to judge in the sense or or the context of hypocrisy, and we are not to judge to bring a person to condemnation, but we are to judge righteously to bring them to the truth and to realize God's grace that will set them free from this bondage of sin in their life. So in chapter 5, Paul instructs the church in Corinth, kick them out. Kick out this individual. Kick out the lady. May they be kicked out so that they can come back and be restored to a right relationship with God. And at the same time, that protects the congregation. Any church in America, any church in the Western culture that doesn't speak to people living in sin and still calls them a member of their church, they are arrogant before God. Hmm. And if you don't agree with me, read chapter 5 over and over again and see the truth of God's Word and this principle that should be alive within our churches today. It's a tough pill to swallow, but it's pretty clear contextually. Yes, and for... People that don't understand that idiom, a, a tough pill to swallow. Can you explain that? Oh. <laughs> yeah. That just means that it's a, it's a hard thing to really process, I guess. It's a truth that it's difficult to get inside oneself. <laughs> yes, it's difficult. I, I think it's, it's not difficult to understand. It's difficult to implement. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we're, we're dealing with family members. Sometimes we're dealing with people we've known for a long time people that we have a strong relationship with, and then they get caught in a lifestyle of sin, and they're not repenting, and we don't know how to deal with it. But scripturally, if we love God, love them, and we're humble before God, we will deal with it directly and say, if you're not going to repent, don't name the name of Christ, and you cannot be part of this community of faith. Yeah. 
So it's a difficult thing to do, but we never, Jesus never told us that we would not have difficult things within our lives. In fact, these are some of the most difficult things because it's coming from within the body of Christ. It's more easy sometimes to deal with persecution that is coming from without than the issues that we have to deal from within. And this is what we're going to look at in chapter 6 that is probably as difficult in chapter 6, this situation, than in chapter 5. So, Yoni, if you don't mind, could you read the first 11 verses of chapter 6? Does any one of you, when he has a case against his brother, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? So if, if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren? But brother goes to law with brother, and that before unbelievers. Actually, then it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. You do this even to your brethren. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor the drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Such powerful words that Paul is writing back to the Corinthians. Such difficult situations. Everybody thinks, especially a new believer, when you come into a body of believers, that everything is perfect. And we have to remember, we stand complete and we stand perfect in Christ. However, we're infants in the faith and we're babies And we have to live a life in the Spirit that we love God and love others. But not everyone in the body is always going to walk according to the things of the Spirit. And here, there must have been a situation, a report that comes back to Paul, that there is actually brothers in the faith that are suing each other within the church at Corinth. How that must have hurt the heart of Paul who has such an evangelistic spirit that two brothers would take their accusations against themselves or their problems with each other. And he asked the question, isn't there a wise man in your congregation that could not bring two brothers together in the faith and you all pray together and him give you godly instruction and the two of you agree to let this go and to do the right thing? He's asking the question, isn't there a wise man within the church that can settle this? But you're not doing that. You're taking your dispute to the unbeliever that is over a secular court to settle a matter that you should be able to deal with yourselves. And I believe Paul has a mindset of the bad witness that this brings to the gospel. When you have two brothers that love God, that name the name of Christ, that believe in him, 
and they have a dispute, and they cannot settle it among themselves. Now, think back to Paul's life. He had such a dispute before he went on this second missionary journey with Barnabas that they agreed to disagree and go their different directions. Hmm. And that was over a, a man named John Mark. I mean, they could not agree, but they understood that they were brothers. And so they said to each other, Barnabas, you take John Mark, and I'll take Silas. We will go this direction, and you go that direction. And they did that. Now, later on, we see John Mark reconciled back to Paul in ministry. Hmm. We see that coming together. Now, something's happening in the church at Corinth that they have to take a matter to the legal courts. It's shaming the name of Christ. Hmm. It's bringing a bad witness within that city. And he asked the question to them. I believe it's in verse 7. Actually, then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Question mark. Why not rather be defrauded? And what Paul is saying, (laughs) it is better for me to be wronged as a brother, to leave this into the hands of God, believing I'm right and he's wrong, and let him have the advantage over me than to shame the name of Christ in the secular court. Sounds so challenging, being that person who who he's encouraging to just accept being wrong. It's very challenging also in our culture that we're a culture that's become a culture of lawyers and lawsuits Hmm. and uh, hedonism. It's all about me and what I can get for myself. And you can barely walk into a a restaurant now without the owners of that restaurant scared about someone that will slip and fall and try to bring a lawsuit against you, Mm -hmm. uh, even creating things. Mm -hmm. Because we're living in a culture that you're trying to get something for nothing. And if I can show negligence on this Mm -hmm. other person, I'm going to sue you. So when you live in a culture like that, everyone's suing each other. And now we're part of a community of faith. That should not be our mindset. My mindset, Yoni, if you and I have a disagreement and something, my mindset should not be, how can I better him? How can I bring a lawsuit against you? Even if you've done wrong against me, you're my brother. You name the name of Christ. I want to see reconciliation. And I want to go to the pastor of the church, the elder of the church. I want to get someone of wisdom that can help us pray through this and come to an agreement. And if we cannot come to an agreement, I would rather be wronged than to take you to court. Now, this is very simple. It's very plain. It cannot go many different directions. It's very clear what Paul is saying. It's better to be wronged than to shame the name of Christ in this secular court. And so I'm not going to take you to court. And uh, hopefully you're not going to take me to court. And we may have some differences, and we might have a business together, and I think that you wronged me, and you think I wronged you, and all of these things. And we should, as brothers, be able to deal with that ourselves. And if we walk by the Spirit and listen to God then I believe we can work it out. And if we're not able to, I'm willing to walk away from it. Mm -hmm. And I've had to do that a few times in my own life, Mm -hmm. looking at things that were done wrong to me by a brother in the faith, knowing that I could take him to court 
knowing that I could probably get a settlement uh, out of it, but saying, no, I'm not here for myself. I'm not here to prove that I was right. I'm not here to prove that you are wrong. I'm here to honor the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm under his authority. Any thoughts well, you, you know, have yeah, about that? Yeah, it, it almost seems, when you were first presenting this too, as, as kind of Paul's looking at this, and he's looking at the church at Corinth and thinking, why is this happening? When you look at it from Paul's perspective, it all kind of seems to make more sense. You know, Paul's out here laying his life down for the gospel, trying everything he can to advance the call of God, and here there are, this is church bickering about things, that it doesn't matter what it is. It could have been millions of dollars, but it's all irrelevant compared to the gospel and to, and to the call of God. And as I think of it that way, it almost seems like the perspective changes everything. You know, if, if you have the perspective of God, His name, His kingdom, and, and His gospel first, then whatever issues between believers really do, doesn't matter. Yes, and if we're thinking about the eternal things of God versus the temporary things of man, it becomes a very easy thing. Mm-hmm. As we think of the life of Christ, was he treated rightly? Was justice brought to him? No, injustice was brought to him. He was going to the cross not for his sin, but for my sin. Yeah. And he died for my sin that I might be justified. So for a believer that keeps that mindset, and think about the words of Paul to the Galatians that we talked about earlier. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And this life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, the one who loved me and gave up his life for me. It's not about me. It's not about me winning this argument but it's about him, and he lives within inside of me. And I'm going to walk by faith that just like they came against him, I have this issue, but I'm going to walk by faith in him who loved me and gave up his life for me, and I'm going to trust that God will take care of this situation. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to come out on the good side of this. Mm-hmm. It means that it's in God's hands. Yeah. And if there is judgment to come, it is in God's hands. It's not in my hands. Yeah, regardless, you will live according to God's ways. You will do things for God's name above our own, above your own. Right? Yes. I'm going to die yeah. to myself, take up my own cross, and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we have that mindset, I think this becomes easy. Yeah. But we're living, Yoni, in the world. It's all about me. And even in our services sometimes that we go into within church, it's all about what God can do for me, how God can help me, how God can fulfill my dreams and my aspirations. And I ask people sometimes, how does a dead person have dreams and aspirations? If you really look at the reality, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. A dead man is not dreaming about the future because he's dead. So what becomes important is Christ in me, and it's the power of God's Spirit within me that needs to be propelling me in the right direction, and I'm going to go that direction by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And it may end up where I get a lot of stuff stolen from me. Who cares? It's just things. What is more important than the things is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I need to say this too, because maybe not all of our listeners are believers. 
And and in that case, this may sound psychotic because I guess naturally in the flesh it sounds crazy to think, well, we've chosen to die to ourselves, and even if we're wrong, we're going to let ourselves be wrong. It's that choice is only possible because we've died to ourselves because Christ is now alive in us. We have found the true source of life. So it's not really a choice of death. It's a choice of dying to ourselves so that we can really drink deep of God himself and the life in him. Yes, and the things of God and what is really important, things that have substance, yeah. things that have significance. These other things are not really significant. Mm-hmm. They are to the world because they're always striving for more and more of these things. Mm-hmm. And it's hedonism. Hedonism is it's all about me getting more and more for myself. However, as a believer, we have found true life and life with abundance. And that's not about things. It's about a relationship with God where I can cry out, Abba, Father. It's about a life in the Spirit where the bondage of sin is broken in my life. And I have freedom to live for God, freedom to have a relationship with God. Freedom to know what's going to happen in the future, that I know that my life is in the hands of God. Mm. And that is substance, that is significance that the world can never give me. So let's continue in chapter 6, because in chapter 5, we dealt with immorality, and we're also going to go back to that immorality. And you and I were talking before we came onto the set to record this. What is the main theme? Going back to chapter 1, Paul wants us all to come into agreement to have the same mind in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. So all of these things is putting, as he's dealing specifically with issues, is bringing us back to a place that everything that we're doing is honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. And so here there must have been some issues of immorality it may be one of the first places that we're going to read about the gnostic mindset and i'll explain that a little bit but colossians deals with that first and second and third john deals with gnosticism second peter the letter of jude as well dealing with this gnosticism I don't have the best understanding of, of the term Gnosticism, or maybe I guess we'll go into it in a little bit, but what, what does that mean? Yes, let's read it first, and okay. then I'll explain Gnosticism. And this could be a place where people had a Gnostic mindset, because remember, they're coming out of a Hellenistic Greek worldview. But let's read these verses first. Going from 12 to 20? Yes. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. 
Look at that verse 20 that really is summarizing what Paul is talking about. For you have been bought with a price. That price is God himself coming to us through his son, his Messiah, and dying for our sins. We have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, your physical body. Glorify God. Now, in the Hellenistic world, they had a philosophy that even predates what we call Christianity that was inundated, or the right word, it was syncretized. Syncretized, yeah. yeah. With rabbinical Judaism, especially Mm. from Alexandria, Egypt. This view, this Greek world that had come into the Hellenistic world that was also part of, of the Jewish world at that time, it actually morphed into what we call today Kabbalah. Some of you know about what it means, Kabbalah, which is in everything in rabbinical Judaism. But it talks about the world being a deception, and you have to get to a special knowledge to find truth. They even say some branches of that, that the Bible is a deception and you have to find hidden truths within the Bible. So through this knowledge, Gnosticism, you come to have a knowledge of God. And within Christianity, or the word Christian is not even being used very much at this time, but within our faith, that you have this knowledge of the Messiah, therefore you're saved And it doesn't matter what you do in your physical body because the flesh is evil, but the spirit is good. So So, almost like making a division between, okay, my my mind knows God and my body can do whatever the heck it does. It doesn't even matter. Yes. And it's interesting. I came across this recently here in America that a man said, when I sin because I'm a believer, it's not me sinning, it's my body sinning. But remember from the Hebrew worldview, now there was Gnosticism in the Jewish worldview of that time, but from the Hebrew scriptures, from the Old Covenant scriptures, it's not this division between the soul and the spirit and the flesh, but it's one and the same. David, when he sinned, he says, I have sinned against you and you only, God. He doesn't say, no, that was someone else sinning. That was my physical body sinning, but I, in my spirit and in my mind, I didn't want to do that, so I'm not responsible for it. You see, it was always the person is responsible for their own sin. And in fact, in uh, Ezekiel, if you'll read Ezekiel 18, developed a tradition within the Jewish people that, well, I'm sinning because my father or my grandfather had sinned, so I'm not really responsible for my sin. Hmm. But in Ezekiel 18, every individual is responsible for their own sin. But in the Gnostic worldview, you could have this philosophy, this knowledge, and your knowledge was separated from your life, your physical body. Some people taught, well, you believe in Christ, so it's okay that you can go sleep with the temple prostitutes as long as you have this knowledge of him. Now, I'm going to say something that hopefully doesn't offend too many, but remember, the gospel is very confrontational. In the Western culture, there has been a neo-Gnosticism built up within the churches that's coming out of pantheistic ethics. Pantheistic ethics is all roads lead to God. What is happening is within the body of Christ, We're saying, and I sat beside somebody one time that said, I asked him, are you a believer? He says, well, I have a Christ consciousness. Huh, I've heard that too. Yeah, that's Gnosticism. 
what they're saying, I have an understanding, a knowledge of him. I believe in him, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're walking a life that is honoring God. So, so it's almost like me, a, a Christ consciousness is, might not necessarily be a bad thing, so long as you're walking in the same path. But I guess typically that gets used to say, I have this Christ consciousness, but I'm doing whatever I want. There's a, there's a distinction there. Yes, almost. And, and that brings me to a good point. I'm glad you, you mentioned that. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, it is with the heart man believes. This new covenant is the circumcision of the heart. Where is the law of God going to be placed in this new covenant? In our hearts. It's all about a heart relationship with God. And when a person has not come to God from the inside and been changed from the inside and really has a true faith coming from within us that defines who we are, all it is is head knowledge. But what we have in many churches, I have a head knowledge, which they're calling faith, that doesn't match my life. So I'm living in sin, but I have a knowledge of the grace of God, and they've separated the life from their faith, their head knowledge, which is another form of Gnosticism. Interesting. And I want people to understand this, that when God saved us, he saved us completely is part of who we are, our physical bodies. In our physical bodies, we are to honor God. And this is what Paul is saying. Don't ever allow that mindset to come within you that we can do whatever we want with our physical bodies. If our bodies are sinning, we are sinning. It ties into the passage we just read before this little passage right here, verses 9, 10, and 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor feminine, nor homosexual, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor violators, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. He's almost saying it like, you know, just because you think something, if you are a practice, if you practice idolatry, adultery, thieving, covetous, etc., etc., he says, do not be deceived. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, yes. He's saying that, and then it gets more specific here because, see, the Gnostic will say, I'm not a fornicator because I have a knowledge of him. That's just my physical body that's doing that. That's just the flesh, which is evil. Mm -hmm. But the spirit is good. So here he's getting specific, and he wants to know that you are to honor God, glorify God in your body, in your flesh. So he doesn't allow us to separate the two. And later on in the Gospels and in the New Covenant Scriptures, I should say, it's dealing with this Gnosticism. In fact, the Gospel of John is all coming against Gnostic worldviews as well. But let's look specifically. I want to point some things out here. That when a man is joined to a woman, it should be in the context of marriage, and the two become one flesh. So recognize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, we saw this in chapter 3. In chapter 3, it was about people coming and dividing the body of Christ. In chapter 6, it's in the context of immorality. Now, growing up, it used to always be in the context about what we eat and what we drink. If I drink too much coffee or if you smoke cigarettes, that mm. you have to understand that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not advocating smoking cigarettes or drinking too much coffee or things of that nature. But what I am saying in chapter 3 and in chapter 6, it's not dealing with that. 
the context of your body being the Holy Spirit is related to immorality. Immorality and the body plural about people coming and dividing the body, God's saying, or destroying the body, God is saying, I will destroy you. So, yes, I instruct someone, don't drink. I, don't I instruct, do harmful things. Don't so. do harmful things. I instruct people, do not drink fermented wine. Now, later on, we'll get to that because there's debate that, you know, you're able to go out and drink fermented wine. No, I'm going to make a distinction between unfermented and fermented wine, but that's for a later time. But don't go out drinking strong drink, alcohol. Uh, Don't smoke cigarettes. Be careful about what you eat and what you drink for your physical body so that you can have good health. But I don't use these passages in order to address that, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I try to always keep things within the context of the original intent of what Paul is saying, what Peter is saying, what Isaiah is saying, and don't take it out of that context. Your bodies is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, how can you, in your sexual relationships, which should be enjoyed and understood within the context of marriage because the two become one flesh, be joined with a prostitute. Now think about this. All the temples of that day had temple prostitution. And so there was one temple in Corinth that had a thousand prostitutes in the temple that was dedicated to Aphrodite. So this was a normal thing within that society to go and to sleep with temple prostitutes. And what Paul is saying, absolutely not. Don't divide your understanding of your faith and who you are that you can go out and do anything you want within your body. You are to glorify God within your body. In fact, when you go and sleep with a prostitute, you're sinning against your own body. Now, I don't want to get in too much detail about this, but if a person is sleeping with a prostitute, that prostitute is sleeping with people every day. And so there are consequences of sleeping or having sexual relationships with a person like that that's going to come upon your own body. That is the context that is here. And so I don't want to get into details, but you understand what I am talking about. Verse 18, flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside of the body. It's not dealing with your own physical body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. So if you go and sleep with a prostitute, you're sinning against your own physical body because there are consequences that come about by doing that. Or do you not know, verse 19, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body." As believers, do not allow a Gnostic mentality that comes in that says, I have a knowledge of God, I have a knowledge of Christ, I believe that he's the Messiah. And therefore, it doesn't matter how I live. And then I can go out and live any way that I want to. Mm -hmm. That's Gnosticism. In fact, no, we have been bought with a price and our bodies do not belong to us. Our bodies exist for the glory of God. Therefore, flee sexual immorality. Flee things that do not honor God. Walk in the Spirit and don't allow this false teaching to come into your life. It's very clear here as you're listening, as we're reading, as we're talking, that immorality is not a part of the life of the believer. And if you will just walk in the Spirit, 
then your physical body will glorify God. And that's very plain and very simple that we saw in Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, goodness, uh, gentleness, gentleness, and self-control. If you have self-control, a life in the Spirit, against such things there is no law. See, the law cannot produce a life in the Spirit, but the Spirit of God will keep us away from these things. Because look in verse 19 again. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? It's the Spirit of God that is in us. Therefore, glorify God with our bodies. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. And let's pray that that'll be a reality within our lives and in the church today. Chapter 5. Don't allow someone to live in sin to name the name of Christ and be part of your congregation. Chapter 6. If you're having problems and disputes, do not take that dispute and shame the name of Christ in a secular court. It's better to be wrong than to do that. And also flee immorality. Live a life in the power of the Holy Spirit. All these situations is going to take the work of the Holy Spirit within us to do what is right. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word Teach us your word. Let your word be hid in our hearts that we may not sin against you. Let us not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And God, help us to glorify you within our physical bodies. Everywhere we go, everything that we do, to glorify you by the power of your spirit that is within us. Thank you, God. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at integrity global missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.